We're going to look at Naomi and Ruth. Now, it's a very interesting book. It's a very short book, but it's one of the only two books that have a, a female's name. You know, the other one's... Esther, thank you. Good on you. Glad somebody's listening. And um, it's a very important book. Uh, I remember growing up as a young believer back in East Coburg at a a very conservative Brethren church. This book would be uh, ministered on regularly, not not because Ruth was popular, but because the theme in it, you know, about the kinsman redeemer, very, very important, um, very uh, instructive. But we're not looking at the book of Ruth. We're going to look at Naomi and Ruth, because this is a character study. But the book of Ruth was supposedly written by Samuel, that's the tradition, who was a judge. Remember I told you that a couple of weeks ago, the last judge. And uh, they think that that's the reason um, uh, Ruth is mentioned here and, and Samuel wrote it because, you know, it's got to do with a time of judgment for the nation of Israel and then a time of renewal and blessing and they, the theologians like to attribute it to, to Samuel but it, but you know it's not definite now it's an interesting book Ruth if, 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 you, if you wanted to think of what it would be like I reckon it could be the Mills and Boone book of the Bible right? Mills and Boone you ladies know what it's about and in fact this sermon here this morning is for the ladies basically but you, us folks can learn something from it too. You see, it's a story of a young, attractive woman. Widowed early, leaves her homeland, her family, goes into a foreign country, meets an influential, wealthy uh, man. There's a brief romance. Uh, they're married. There's a child. They live happily ever after. Mills and Boone. Hmm. But you see, Ruth... Ruth wasn't written by Ruth, it was written about Ruth. And as I mentioned, about the kinsman redeemer. But this morning, I'd like to take an unusual uh, approach, a, a different portrayal of the book of Ruth. I'd like to use Naomi as the principal character, not Ruth. But Ruth does play a big part in what I have to say this morning. In fact, I was thinking about a, a working title for this book, for this sermon, rather. And I was thinking of, let me tell you about my mother-in-law. But then I thought, that may be misconstrued, right? You know, the top two uh, subjects for, for jokes are blondes and mothers-in-law. I've got a great mother-in-law. I'd like to put that on, on record, okay? On tape, I have a great mother-in-law. But, you know, you know the old stereotype of mother-in-laws. But I'd like to look at the principal character of Naomi and the theme or, 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 the, or the topic this morning really is mentoring. Mentoring. The importance of it. And, and, and it's very, very relevant for us here today, for, our, for our, our women in particular and for us blokes as well. How often do you think the word mentor comes up in the Bible, you know, from the Old Testament into the... How many times do you think? 10? 15? Zero. Zero times. Just like the word rapture. Zero times as well. And yet, 
We know that the rapture is talked about heaps of times in the New Testament. And mentoring is very much the same. The word's not mentioned, but the practice of it is right through the Old Testament and the New Testament. So it's very, very important. Just because it's not mentioned by a particular word doesn't mean it's not important, because it is. So what does mentor mean? Mentor means, uh, well, I, I decided that I wouldn't give you the definition. I'd give you all the synonyms that I found for it instead. So mentor means advisor, a coach. We know what that looks like. A counsellor, a guide, an instructor, a teacher, a trainer, a tutor. So that, they're all the words you could, you could use for the word mentor. And that's what we're going to look at this morning because that's what Ruth found in Naomi. Not just a mother-in-law. And we could talk a lot about mothers-in-law, couldn't we, and relationships you can have. That's why I think this story is really interesting when you look at Naomi and Ruth. Now, a really quick summary of what, what, what has happened so far. Now, we read together, and thank you again, Sian, a very good reading. We read together that times are tough in Israel, really tough. There was a famine. Why? Because they weren't living right as, Christ, as, as believers, as, as people of God. They weren't living right. It says that it was during the times of the judges. And what you would know about the, the, the book of Judges and, and the times of the Judges, they, the, the, the people of God would, would, would peak at spirituality and in a big decline and then again and then again. So right through the 500 years, there were, there were times when God blessed and when times when God had to discipline. Then he used, he used a judge to do that. And this was one of those times. Could have been near the end of the times of Judges. Who knows? But this was one of the times, and there was a famine in the land because the people were under the discipline of God. Not a pleasant place to be, but it's, it's not bad anyway. So Elimelech, the man that was mentioned here, he takes his wife and his two kids and he cuts and runs, leaves the promised land, leaves the land where God reigns, where God rules, where God provides. And he takes his family to a place called Moab. Now we read together, didn't we, that not, not too long after that, Elimelech dies. Some theologians say that it's God's judgment, God's discipline. I don't know. But he's dead anyway. Right? Which leaves his wife and the two boys. Now, they weren't young boys. They were of marrying, marrying age. Because it tells us that the two boys married Moabite women. And that's important that we note that. They shouldn't have married Moabite women. In Deuteronomy, uh, the word of God tells them it's not appropriate. Not exactly forbidden, but not appropriate. Very, very important. Now, how did all this come about? Well, you know, the man of the house in those days, the father, was the patriarch. He was in charge. He, he ruled the home. Taught, supposed to, he was supposed to, by God, charged by God to teach them, teach the family, the wife, the children, the things of God. I don't think this was happening with Elimelech. 
It tells us that a little while after, and that's about 10 years, not a lot of information, but in those 10 years, Malon and, and Kilion both died as well. Now, what would have happened in the culture of that time when the father died, the eldest son took on the responsibility of running the household. He was in charge. He did all the telling. And when the eldest son died, we're assuming that perhaps he died first, the next son would would take over. And that's how it went. You see, unfortunately, ladies, in those days, women were chattel. They really were. They had no rights. They, had, they weren't allowed to, to, to own land, run a business, nothing like that. So here we are. Naomi, Opa and Ruth. Three widows sitting around the dining room table. Can you imagine the conversation? Can you imagine it? This is, this is maybe ten plus years. Now, to be a widow is not a good thing, is it? It's not a good thing. We have some widows in this, in this church, and I've spoken to them. It's not a, not a good thing. But to be a widow back then was absolutely a devastating situation. One, they were in a foreign land. They had no family that we could look after them. It was, it was the family's responsibility to look after the widows. She had no sons. And what would normally happen would be the widows would end up in poverty, living from day to day, more often than not, turning to prostitution. That's a fact. That's what happened. That's what was facing these, these three women here that we read about. And so during one of those times when they were sitting around the table wondering, what are we going to do? News comes to Naomi that, hey, you know what? Things aren't so bad in Israel now. Let's go back. The mother-in-law says, let's go back. And we read about that. And we read, and we read that, that Naomi sort of was thinking about going back and getting ready and preparing and all the rest of it. And she suddenly realised, you know, these two daughters-in-law, they're young and Moabites, no place for them in Israel, really. They would be outcasts. And Naomi thought to herself, I'll just get them to go back. They're young, they'll find other husbands. And that's what she tries to do. She tries to convince them. Hey, there's no future hanging around with me. Maybe they felt obligated, who knows. But Naomi says, you know what, there's really no future with me. Go back. And we had a little discussion. We read a little uh, discourse there that she said, oh, you know, I'm too old, I've got no son, blah, blah, blah. You know, Go back to your homes, back to your gods. You'll find another husband. So Orpah was convinced. Naomi convinced her. Gave her a kiss. See you later. She chooses to go back, but Ruth... Ruth decides not to go back. And, and have a, we're going to read this again. Have a listen to what she said. The theologians tell us that this is one of the noblest statements made in the, in the Old Testament. 
Have a listen to, to what Ruth said. Verse uh, 6, 15. She says, um, oh no, sorry, 16. But Ruth replied, do not urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where, I, where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me ever so severely if anything but death separates me and you. You can spend an awful lot of time just looking at that that verse. But what caused Ruth to make such a statement? That's what I would like to ask you this morning. Ladies, what do you think caused Ruth to make such a statement. Not only did, did Ruth say, oh, I'm, I'm going to come back with you and I'll help you settle in. Then I'm... No, 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 no. She was dedicating her life to Ruth. And she even asked God to, to, to curse her if she didn't. Where did Ruth get the understanding of the God of Israel. Where did Ruth get to the point where she could say, may the Lord deal with me? Where did she get that information from? Because, brothers and sisters, I don't think it was from Elimelech. He was, she wasn't even on the scene then. I doubt it very much if it was from her husband. I don't think they were living in a way in which was pleasing to God, that family. I really don't. And yet, we have this statement. How was that? She learnt what she had learnt. She said, I want your God to be my God. A Moabite woman is saying, I want the God of Israel to be my God. Where did she get that desire from, ladies? Huh? Where did she get that desire from? From Naomi. It's a logical conclusion, yeah? Now, I'm telling you, I doubt very much whether Naomi said to Ruth and I, okay, it's Wednesday afternoon, time for our Bible study, let's sit down with a cup of tea and let's go through the book of Samuel. I doubt that happened like that, right? It was from personal example. You see, Naomi would not have had much influence in the home other than the way she behaved, the way she treated her, son, her, her family, her daughters-in-law. It wasn't her responsibility to teach the family the things of God. And yet she was able to communicate to, to Ruth what a wonderful God the God of Israel was. Hey, have you see, Naomi didn't badmouth the God of Israel, even though she was a widow, and she'd lost not just one, but two sons in a foreign land. And she knew that perhaps the God the, the disciplining hand of God was upon her family. And yet, 
the way she behaved, what she related to, to, to in, in Ruth in particular about the God of Israel, attracted Ruth. She wanted Naomi's God to be her God. Now, you, now if you had just read that first chapter, you, 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 you would not get that picture, would you? You wouldn't get it. But that's what must have happened. Why else would Naomi, why else would Ruth do what she did and say what she said? So, so it was from the times when they were making the, the dinner, you know, packing up or, you know, you know, sweeping out the, 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 the hut or wherever, you know, that, 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 that Naomi related her, her experiences to Ruth. And I'm sure Ruth had lots of questions about this God because it wasn't her God. She was a Moabite. And so the questions came and the answers came and the teaching was given that way and the instruction. And I firmly believe that Naomi was a, was a godly woman. I really do. So from relating her, her experiences by personal example, Ruth fell in love with the God of Israel and wanted that God to be her God. What's the lesson for, for us this morning? Ladies in particular, what is the lesson do you get from that? Can you just turn with me to, to a book in the New Testament, the book of Titus? I hope you're not asleep because I'm going to read a little passage. I'm going to ask a really important question, see if anyone can pick up the answer. Titus, very short book, short, shorter than the book of Ruth. Mate, there are gems in here, I'm telling you. Anyway, let's read uh, uh, chapter 2, verse 1. So here is Paul the Apostle telling Titus, whom he left in Crete to you know, get things in order in the churches there. And, and Titus uh, is believed to have been a pastor at a, in, in, a, in, a, in a church here. And he says to Titus, You must teach what is in accord with sound doctrine, Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled and sound in faith, in love and in endurance. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, be, to be kind and to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. Similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled. In everything, set them an example by doing what is good. Your teaching... Uh, in your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, soundness of speech that cannot be condemned, so that those who who th- so those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. Teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything. Try to please them. Do not talk back to them, and do not steal from them, but to show that they are fully can be fully trusted, so that in every way. Uh, they will make the teaching about God, our Saviour, attractive. That's the passage. I've got a question for you. Have you. Did you notice anything unusual in that passage? Anything unusual? Maybe not. Here's what 
Titus told, uh, this is what Paul told to Titus. I want you to, one, teach the older men, Morris. Two, Bev, teach the older women. And then he said, and then he said, Sam, I want you to teach the slaves as well. And to the young men, Ken, he said, I want you to encourage them. This is all that Titus had to do. He had to teach the old folk, the old men, the old women, the slaves, and encourage the young men. Is there a group missing there, folks? Is there a group that uh, Titus had, didn't have responsibility to teach? The younger women. That's what it's there, isn't it? It's there, black and white. The instruction of the Apostle Paul to Titus. Younger women, who is, who, who, who's to teach the younger women? It says there very clearly, the older women. That's what happened in the book of Ruth. Naomi taught Ruth. Cat, I'm glad you're back. I've missed you. I have no one to pick on. <laughs> the question, Cat, is, is, is who is the younger woman? Who are the younger women? Who are the older women? You know, it's a long-held principle in the Bible that mentoring be the one of the primary ways that you teach the things of God. Here's a, here's a list of prominent people that were mentored. There was Jethro. You know Jethro in the Old Testament? Father-in-law of Moses. But you know, it was Jethro who mentored Moses. Hmm. Then there was Moses, of course. And who did he mentor? Joshua. Great leader. You know, you can read the whole book of Joshua and his story and there's nothing said about Joshua that was negative. If you notice that. Then, of course, there was the two big prophets, Elijah and Elisha, or Elisha, however you like to pronounce it. And then there was Elizabeth and Mary. You know, Elizabeth spent, Mary and Elizabeth spent an awful lot of time there before the babies were born. Then, of course, there was Paul and Timothy and then Paul and Titus. But, you know, there was, there was a relationship, a mentoring relationship. It was very, very important in Paul's life. There was Barnabas and Paul, or Saul at the time. So Barnabas mentored the Apostle Paul. And then there was Peter and Mark, you know, Mark John Mark. And then there's also another little, little uh, uh, way in which you can mentor a couple. Priscilla and Aquila, they mentored Apollos. So all the way through, and they're just the main one. There's lots of other examples. And so mentoring, folks, ladies, mentoring in particular, is sadly lacking in modern churches. But not out in the business world, is, is it, Pat? Yeah, business mentor. Or in the sporting world. Or anything else like that. But it seems to have lost its attractiveness in churches, in this church in particular. It really has. It's not, it's not valued as it should. It's not practiced. It's not prioritized as a ministry as it should. 
My question again, Kat, who are the older women? Have you had a time to think about it? Well, well first of all, let's just clarify a woman. A woman is someone who's, who's 18 plus, okay? Legal age, I know there could be emotional age and all the rest of it. But the older women is anyone older than 18. So, so, so somebody who's maybe 20 could be an older woman to someone who's younger. For example, there's some like young, young girls up the back there. Somebody like Kat could be an older woman, Kat. You could be an older woman if you want to someone younger. Hmm. Who are the younger women? Oh, that's interesting, isn't it? Fiona, you could be a younger woman. Yes, absolutely. Because there are older women, aren't there, that you can learn from, that can teach you. Isn't the Bible amazing? Isn't, isn't the provision of God wonderful? It's not old women. It doesn't say old women and young women. It says older, younger. Hmm. And one thing I want to really stress here this morning, my time's nearly up. God, this is a God-ordained method of teaching. Have we got that? Right from, right from the, the, the early days, Genesis, right from Genesis, God-ordained method of teaching. And it's not Old Testament teaching because we have it here in Titus. And what is it that, that, that we're, we're, we're encouraged here in Titus to look at? The ladies, what does it say? It says there to teach, to teach, to teach what is good. It's always been the way. And that's what Naomi did. Naomi taught what was good about God, even though she was experiencing hardship herself. Because God is good. He really is. And that was the responsibility of the, of the older women. The challenge, the challenge I'd like to leave with, with uh, you ladies in particular, older and younger, is this. One, seek out a mentor because you need one. To give you an, a, a personal example, there were two times in my life when I desperately was aware I needed a mentor. One was when I became a young father. I had no idea what a Christian father should look like. I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I had no idea. And I was concerned that perhaps I wouldn't get the balance right between, you know, being a dad, a husband, uh, 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 work, uh, sport, church life. But there was a man in my church at the time. Had four girls, no hair. Four girls, no hair. And, and I believe, really believe that the, that the Holy Spirit led me to watch this man. He was my mentor. He didn't know, Sam, he was my mentor. But he was my mentor. I watched him. Watched the way he lived. Watched the way he interacted with his children. Watched the way he, he balanced his life. And then many, 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 many years later when I came to this church, when I hit the big 5-0... You know, girls had grown up and left home and all that sort of thing. I was wondering to myself, how do I, how, how do I become an older Christian person? What's my role now as an older Christian person? 
And the Lord did the same thing to me again. He showed me a man in his church, Bill, Bill Norton. Watch, I watched him. Just watched him. Spoke to him. Quizzed him. And he was my mentor. He didn't even know, really. It wasn't, it wasn't like Bill and Rafi mentors. It wasn't like that. So, ladies, I challenge you. Seek out an older woman to be your mentor. Even if you don't ask her to do it. I've also had the, the more formal uh, relationships. I've had those as well. And the other challenge is be a mentor. Huh? Be a mentor. Be a mentor to someone. Invest in some other women's lives. Be a godly influence like Naomi was. Help restore God's design of family. You know, our society is, is in deep trouble because the family unit is in, is in, is in disarray. It's not valued. It's not honoured. It's not lived out as God had designed. One of the things that, 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 that a godly woman can teach another woman is to, is to understand God's design for family and to live a life. Wouldn't it be great to be able to live a life that influences other women? Wouldn't that be a great thing? Just like Naomi, not realising, but she was influencing Ruth just by living out the way she lived. When you look at the book of Ruth, you see that she had great influence in her life right to the end, right to the end. Now, I did, uh, I did say this would be for the ladies, but I'm going to leave us with one thought, a challenge for all of us, because it's just, just not just for the ladies, but I thought I'd, I'd just take this uh, little study to, to give the ladies something to think about. The Apostle Paul could say... Follow my example. And if you read Titus, that's what he was saying to, 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 to Titus. Be an example. Be an example. Don't just teach from the platform. Be an example. Follow my example as I, as I follow the example of Christ. And you'll find that in 1 Corinthians. That's the challenge for us all. The ladies, find a mentor, seek out a mentor, and be a mentor. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning for your word. I thank you for the great encouragement that it gives us, the depth of wisdom and knowledge that's contained in those 66 books, Father. I just, I just thank you that you have given that to us, and I thank you that you've preserved it for so long. I know there's been many attacks over the, the centuries, and Father, I know it's still being, your word is still being attacked today. But Father, I thank you that you've entrusted it to us. You've given it to us. Help us just to not just take it for granted. Help us to take it to heart and understand that this is your instruction to us. The wisdom and the, the knowledge of God imparted to us that we might live lives that bring not only glory and honour to you, a blessing to us. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.